go ahead. Ask me what happens if you die in the Doctor Who podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor Who podcast, episode number, well, who cares what episode it is. In this episode, we have Martin from the Who on Who podcast, who's here to join me and talk about the fan reaction to this most intriguing and perplexing of episodes, Amy's Choice. We also delve into the uh, forum and fan feedback, and we play a bit of feedback, audio feedback even, from you, our fabulous listeners. So let's dive in and see what this episode has in store. one and all to another episode of the Doctor Who Podcast. It's my great pleasure to have in the studio with me today one of the uh, co-presenters from the Who on Who podcast, Martin. Hello, Martin. Hello. Hello, hello. Um, <laughs> one of the things that intrigues me and I absolutely love about the Who on Who podcast is um, not only that you talk about Doctor Who, of course, but yeah. that you are a father and son team. Your, yourself mm-hmm. and David, your father, sit down every week and talk about Doctor Who, which, which is fantastic. Well, not not every week, about once a month or, you know, whenever whenever I can catch them in between, you know. <laughs> you burst my bubble there. Here I was thinking you had a weekly <laughs> chat to your dad about Doctor Who. <laughs> so what do you do when the uh, when the uh, new season's on? Do, do you regularly chat about new Doctor Who or, or, is, or is it more about classic Who or? Um, it's just whatever, whatever comes to mind. Uh, generally what'll happen is I'll see the episode and then he'll watch it a couple of days later whenever he gets around to it. And then, you know, we'll talk about it for a little bit and then we'll discuss whatever we're recording next and talk about that whenever he finishes the DVD. I, I normally finish him first cause I have more free time than he does, but <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> One of the things I love about the who on who podcast is not necessarily your doctor who content, but the fact that. It's a father and son team talking about Doctor mm-hmm. Who because I know if I rang up my dad and I said, hey, dad, let's put a microphone in front of each other and let's talk about Doctor Who and put that on the internet, he'd probably um, mm, go, mm, no, I don't think I'm particularly no, interested no. in doing that. No, <laughs> it's, it's just it's such a wonderful relationship you, you mm-hmm. have going there. Well, he was the one that got me into Doctor Who. So How so? Well, he, when I was really young, he used to talk about it all the time when, like, the Sylvester McCoy era and, you know, before. And then uh, I think I came in one day from doing something and he was watching The Christmas Invasion. And I was, uh, I, I kind of stood behind him and watched a little bit of it. And I, uh, I think I borrowed it from him after that because I was just really interested. I didn't know what it was about. And uh, after that, it was, the rest is pretty much history. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much head over heels in it. You said, hey, let's start talking about it and let everyone in the world hear our voices. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody has to know my opinion on it. <laughs> well, it's a fantastic thing you do, and, and it it's a really enjoyable listen. But I'm really glad I've got you here today uh, because uh, we want to talk about one of the latest episodes, well, the latest episode from the Matt Smith era, Amy's Choice, a, a very... Very intriguing episode of uh, New Who. It's Mark here this morning, gentlemen, with a 
few thoughts about Amy's choice. When I saw the trailers, I was completely underwhelmed by them, to be honest. I just didn't know what to expect, but I, it's true, I wasn't expecting much. The episode did contrast with this. It was a really good episode, possibly because of the low expectations. I came away from it with a very good impression. In contrast with Vampires of Venice, which was an enjoyable episode for me, it had quite a few flaws in the plot. In contrast, this episode wasn't as much fun, in quotes, but it was a much better episode of Who. Amy is forced to choose between the realities and she ultimately chooses the one with Rory in it. This neatly did put an end to what could have been a tedious Rory or the Doctor series of stories. It turned out that both realities were dreams, one generated mainly by Rory and the other mainly by the Doctor, though the personalities were expressed in all of them, especially in how the Doctor treats his companions. Contrary to his assertion, for example, he does abandon people once they leave the TARDIS and it's true that he does prefer his companions young. The Dream Lord, of course, being part of the Doctor's psyche. It's true that there was no real jeopardy, though. The TARDIS was safe. Ultimately, it probably wouldn't have mattered which way the dreams went. But this wasn't really a story about the jeopardy, even though, at the time, you might have thought differently. It was a story about establishing the relationships at work in the TARDIS, specifically the relationships which the Doctor and Rory both have with Amy. It was a story which was primarily saying these are the directions which we're not going to take. They're not going to take the direction of having Amy tangling over whether to choose Rory or the Doctor. They've addressed that, it's done, she's choosing Rory. Interestingly, only the Doctor made a real active decision in this episode. Amy's choice was to crash the van, and this was made in grief. Rory had no choice. Indeed, he thought the village was real. The Doctor made the choice that none of the scenarios were real, and actively made the choice not only to go along with Amy in the van, but to take the additional step of destroying the TARDIS. This puts the Doctor back in control at the climax of a story, in a way that has rarely been so far in the Matt Smith series. As an aside, I was quite pleased that they weren't asserting that cold stars were a real entity. Thermodynamics be damned. Overall, it wasn't as much fun as The Vampires in Venice and previous episodes, but I don't think it needed to be. It was a much better episode of Who as a result, I think. Well, what, what I'd firstly like to talk about is, um, you know, basically, uh, what did you think of the episode itself? Oh, I, I really liked it. I um, What's weird is I saw the trailer for it at the end of uh, Vampires of Venice uh, last week, and I was kind of, you know, it didn't look that great just from the trailer. So going in, I was kind of, yeah, and didn't, wasn't excited, but I actually really liked it. I liked the surrealness uh, of it. You know, I thought it was an overall really good episode. I'm I'm at the totally opposite end to you. I I watched the trailer at at the end of Vampires of Venice, and I thought, mm, what an intriguing episode this is going to be because mm-hmm. it it had that wonderful performance from 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 the man we know now as the Dream Lord, uh, right? And I thought, oh my goodness, this this just looks so surreal. I mean, it can either be done in such a wonderfully fantastic way, or it can be done in such a wonderfully awful way. And and I'm <laughs> really really glad that it was done in the former rather than the latter. Yeah. I'm not sure what made me think uh, what made me think that it's just I don't know something about something about the trailer kind of looked a little off to me so but like I said I mean it was still a great episode so well it, it was something that I think the fans still tuned in for because uh, as as of recording the the overnights for Amy's choice 6.2 million watched it on uh, BBC wow. one with uh, I think a further 0.34 million watching it on the uh, BBC HD channel um, it was the 17th 
most watched program for that particular week, which I think is still wow. still still pretty good for Doctor Who when it's up against oh, all that yeah. competition of all those awful <laughs> reality shows that seem to plague our networks these days. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it had an appreciation index of 84, which I think mm-hmm. is still pretty good because I think they're saying if it's between 80 and 84, it's very good. But if it's mm-hmm. anything above 85, then it's like, you know, the best television ever made, basically. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think Doctor Who has sort of hit its stride, basically, that um, while it mightn't be hitting hitting the stratospheric heights of rating success, it's mm-hmm. got a really consistent core audience now that seems to be sticking with it um, oh, yeah. throughout this particular season. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff, though, comes when we visit the uh, various forums like uh, Gallifrey Base. They've had just over 4,000 voters and um, uh-huh. just over 88% gave it a 7 or higher out of 10. Now, their their highest rating was um, 8 out of 10. Uh, nearly 31% gave it an 8 out of 10, although uh, 29% gave it a 9 out of 10, which really, really seems to be a fantastic return to form after I think what mm-hmm. was certainly the lukewarm response to... Uh, <laughs> Stories Vampires like Flesh and Stone and uh, Vampires of Venice. <laughs> did uh, did Flesh and Stone get a get a lukewarm um, review? I didn't um, I didn't notice that. I thought it was I thought that was a good episode. I think it was received very well, but but we were saying at the time that a lot of these episodes, while um, the the rating seemed to be quite consistent, that mm-hmm. when we delve more deeply into the feedback and um, you know the ratings people are giving it. The, the the response seems to be a little more muted. But yeah, I, uh, I didn't like completely read every page of the forum because there were every forum that I went to because there was about a hundred you know, pages or so just about that one episode. But <laughs> I did notice uh, I did notice most people were rating it uh, rather highly. So I mean that's got to say something. <laughs> well, I think for me, I mean this this is probably a bit of a blanket statement, but it seems to be an episode that really has intrigued viewers of the show that that we've had like the beginning of the season which has been pretty much a standard season but then we get this little bit of a curveball sort of midway through the mm-hmm. season and um amy's choice i think really threw up a lot of interesting questions that, oh yeah um, oh yeah either have been answered or will be answered hopefully later in the season hello it's Jonathan, the french fan of dr Wu. And this time I will talk about Amy's choice. Well, it's a good episode, but not as good as it should be. Well, in the beginning, I think the Dreamland was the celestial toy maker, but it wasn't. Uh, in fact, the Dreamland could be the value yard from the Eight Doctor story, the trial of a time world. If they continue in the direction, so the Dreamland becomes the value yard. It's a really, really good episode. If not, so it's a bad episode. Not bad as Victory of the Dike, but not as good as the previous episode. I definitely like Rory in this episode. I'm going to jump in <laughs> just talking about the episode. But uh, I, d- I definitely liked uh, the way... I can't, I can't think of the actor's name, but... The way he portrayed Rory in this episode, I thought it was really good. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've always had a bit of a lukewarm response to Rory myself. See, I see, I didn't. I I've always kind of liked him a little bit, but I mean, we really hadn't seen much of him before Vampires of Venice. So 
No, true, true. I, I think now that we're finally seeing a few more facets to Rory's character, he's becoming a bit less like an Adric or a bit less like an Adam type of character that, right. you know, a, 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 a character that you can actually enjoy and really enjoy the facets that he's portraying. Mm-hmm. And I think once you watch Amy's choice and realize that at its core, the, the story is about Rory's dream competing with the doctor's dream, of what the ideal situation should be mm-hmm. it really sort of i think pumps up the rory character a lot more oh yeah oh yeah and uh, i thought it was really good towards the end where he it was willing to sacrifice his dream to make amy happy i thought that was you know just it really spoke to the character i thought i think we were saying this earlier in the week with in one of the episodes of the dwp that um certainly for me one of the more character defining moments of rory's character was the scene just before he died, basically, where he stood mm-hmm. there and chopped his ponytail off and said, well, oh, yeah. this is the sacrifice that I'm going to make for you. This mm-hmm. thing that I've grown and cultivated for the last five years, um, I'm, I'm willing to get rid of it all for you. And uh, mm-hmm. it was just a shame that he really had to die straight afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think without him dying, Amy wouldn't have seen that that's what she really wanted. No, that's true. That's true. And it, it was a really interesting part of the story at that time, I think, that um, oh, yeah. that we still weren't really sure what was the dream and what was reality. So mm-hmm. having that Rory death scene really, really hit home for a lot of the uh, uh, viewers of the show that, we thought, oh, my goodness, Rory's really died, or, or maybe he really has died. Maybe this is the reality and the Doctor on the TARDIS is the dream. Well, I, have to, I do have to say the Cold Star uh, Doctor on the TARDIS part I did not see that that was also a dream. That that whole twist came right out of left field for me. Yeah, was, wasn't that fantastic? I mean, we, we finally oh, yeah. get to a point where the Dream Lord says, you know, sort of, fantastic, well done, you've chosen the right reality, this is the one that's real. But then to have that extra curveball at the end where mm-hmm. basically everything's a dream and, you know, the Doctor has to save the day, basically. Uh, I actually just rewatched it this morning um, in getting ready for, for doing this. And... Um, there was actually like a second of black uh, pause between when the TARDIS blows up and when they come back to what's really reality and being just as cruel as I seem to be. I, I just thought, wouldn't it be funny if you know Stephen Moffat just rolled the credits there just as a joke <laughs> to people? <laughs> it was interesting. Tom Tom made a comment uh, during a review of Amy's Choice that he he thought that the credits were getting a lot more violent that the lightning mm-hmm. strikes were a lot more sudden and, and forceful. Um, I remember him saying that. I was going to go back and check that, and I just I forgot. Well, <laughs> I got distracted um, by something. And... I was reading a few of the posts on, on our own forums on the DWP site, and people were basically saying, Tom, we're talking absolute rubbish. Um, people have actually <laughs> gone back and watched like the one from the, the, the first episode to this episode, and there's absolutely no difference whatsoever. So <laughs> for, for me, it's really, really fascinating just the perceptions that that fans get about this um, show that they can get so caught up in, I suppose, the season-long arcs or, or stories yeah. that they're looking at, and they can mm-hmm. think maybe they're seeding certain things. Um, <laughs> one of the fascinating things that I read on the forums in relation to that was from uh, someone on the, uh, on the Gallifrey Base forums saying, um, some people must get confused by all the words on a candy wrapper and try to figure out the relationship of all the text and numbers and how, the, how it relates to them, never <laughs> understanding the idea of actually eating the damn thing. And to, <laughs> to, to, to me, that 
perfectly describes, I think, a lot of what all of us are guilty on the DWP of doing, that yeah. we're, we're watching this show that we love and we're looking for all these hidden messages and stories and season-long arcs, but maybe we're sort of spending too much time analysing and not much time actually enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> to me, that comment was perfect, that we're spending more time figuring out the numbers rather than actually enjoying the show. Yeah, just just watching it for what it is. Just some of the other stuff from the uh, Doctor Who Online forums, uh, they had about 325 voters. Uh, in, in, in their rating of uh, 1 to 5, 52% gave it a rating of 5, and 91% gave it a rating of 3 or over. And that pretty much coincides with uh, the ratings over at our own Doctor Who podcast forums, uh, mm. Our highest rating was 5 out of 5, just under 50% gave it a 5 out of 5, with nearly 100% giving Amy's Choice a 3 or above, which for, for mm. me is, is an incredible validation of this episode. Oh, yeah. It's an interesting episode for me that it throws up so many interesting questions, and I mm. suppose it, it is in stark contradiction to what we've just talked about, about um, not analysing too deeply Doctor Who. I think there's just so many fascinating things in here that we can look at beyond what's on screen. Mm-hmm. We we have a situation with with Rory and Amy and Amy being pregnant and whatever. Uh, there's just, just there's just so many interesting theories floating around about um, who is the father of uh, Amy's baby, because um, one particular kooky theory. Of the week. The master taught River Song how to fly the TARDIS. The doctor's wife, River, was sent to jail for killing the master. The doctor has a dream about a man who has the power over the doctor, yet constantly copies and talks to him. A dream about a man who hates the doctor more than anyone else in the universe. So therefore, Amy's baby is the child of the master. <laughs> I've, I've stunned you into silence there, Martin. You I have. Tell. I'm trying. I'm still trying to piece together that how that fits uh, entirely. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is this is a theory that I have plucked off one of the forums, which I will not name because it it will probably oh. um, it will probably incriminate the innocent. But um, <laughs> it, it is a theory that has been sprouted out there totally seriously. And and I think one of the things about the kooky theory of the week is um, on our own forums at the DWP, we actually have a specific part of the forum dedicated to kooky theories. But mm-hmm. the things that make it into the episode that we talk about are things that people say deadly seriously. They <laughs> don't think they're crazy. They don't think they're weird. That they think that, okay, Amy's baby is the child of the master. That definitely is the case. They believe it to be true. And that's what makes it a kooky theory. Uh, it's, it's just absolutely I just, bizarre. I do, I do listen to the DWP um, quite a bit, and the kooky theory of the week is probably one of my favorite parts of the review episodes. So yeah. <laughs> it's good to be a part of one for a difference. <laughs> one of the other um, particularly kooky theories of the week would be just the whole question of who is the father of Amy's baby? Now, if if we look at the episode itself and and we realise that um, could even be the doctor's mm-hmm. dream that that forms part of the town the the previous episode where we saw Amy being a bit um, how shall one say frisky with the doctor mm-hmm. might put something in the doctor's mind about Amy being a bit promiscuous 
there might be some doubt there about who actually is the father of Amy's baby. But still, the the master's pretty evil. I don't think Amy would uh, would hook up with that. <laughs> just uh... <laughs> I just some some of I I don't I don't see I don't see uh, her and John Sim getting together and. Making kids, I just don't see it happening. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I, but that's what makes talking about <laughs> just so exciting. Hello, this is Tonya Khan from Connecticut, and I wanted to call in and let you know my comments, my opinions, and feelings about Amy's choice. When I first um, watched this episode, I really didn't like it. I initially gave it a score of about two and a half to three out of five because I really felt that the everything in the episode was very obvious. I guessed a large portion of the episode as I was watching it and when it came to the end I really wasn't um, that thrilled with it. Um, there are certain aspects of the episode that I thought were really good that I really enjoyed but I felt overall I just didn't like it. Then, of course, after the episode ended, I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about what the doctor was saying, what the dream lord was saying, what Amy was saying, what Roy was saying. And I realized that there were many aspects of this episode that I missed and that I needed to watch it again. And when I watched it again for the second time, I realized I really missed a lot. Um, because now I knew that the, I was paying more attention and I knew that the doctor was a dream lord. Um, I basically picked up on a lot of aspects that I know a lot of other fans had already seen and I just completely missed. It could be possible because it was very late at night and I was incredibly tired, but I missed them. Um, (laughs) I missed them. And, you know, just the things that the doctor was saying about, especially in the beginning of how he doesn't abandon his friends once they leave the TARDIS. And then later on in the end of the episode, the Dream Lord says, you know, how he selects his friends, how the old man needs to choose young friends and, you know, how he abandons his friends and things like that. And how the doctor um, knows exactly what's going on in Upper Ludworth to the point where he can repeat exactly, well, he knows exactly what the what the old people are saying before they even say it to the TARDIS where he doesn't know what's going on. He's upset with himself and, you know, how he's almost afraid of, you know, Upper Ludworth being a dream because, you know, he just feels that Amy and Rory are going to slow him down as he says and, you know, that that life is, is too dull and how I guess he believes that he's going to be dragged into a life like that. I'm not sure. But um, when it really came down to it, um, what I really realized that at the end of the episode was that the doctor, I feel that the doctor did this on purpose. He decided that he needed to get Amy and Rory together for Amy to choose Rory, for Rory to believe in her choice, um, which finally happens when Rory dies at the end of Upper Ledworth, which was just very touching, very... I truly love um, Amy and Rory in this episode, their interaction with each other, with the Doctor, within the circumstance. 
everything clicked and made sense. And when Amy finally does make her choice, the, the, the doctor just doesn't seem happy about it. He just seems distraught throughout the whole thing. Like he's in charge, but he's not in charge. And there was just so much I missed the first time I watched it because I, I, I think I had expectations that it was going to be one thing and it, because it wasn't that, I, I really missed the details for that. And so at the end of watching it the second time and the third time and the confidential, I realized that this is not a two and a half three out of five that this is more like a five out of five and i truly enjoy this episode and it's something i'm going to watch again so i look forward to listening to your podcast and hearing your comments and everybody else's comments because i know on the uh, dwp boards um it's very interesting i love reading the comments there i hope you have a wonderful day thank you bye-bye the thing that uh, I didn't honestly understand that I feel a little embarrassed about this was um, when he blew up the TARDIS at the end, towards the end of the episode, I didn't, at first I didn't understand why he was doing that because he didn't really seem to have any proof that that was also a dream. So mm. it just seemed to come out of left field like, hang on a second, why are you doing, how do you know that's a dream? And then, you know, it went black for a second and I got a little worried, but then again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think Stephen Moffat's smart enough to not kill off the title character, so... <laughs> one one would hope so, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> um, I can't remember who said this, though, but uh, I heard on a podcast that uh, if you look in the... Um, where he gets the generator thing, uh, mm-hmm. the little mm-hmm. box, apparently if you look close enough, you can actually see the cricket ball from the fifth Doctor uh, somewhere in that, that box. Yeah, I read that. I've... I couldn't see it. I, I went back and watched it the, again this morning, and I didn't see it anywhere. But I'm obviously not looking in the right spot. So, I've, well, it's it's when he goes underneath the TARDIS console, doesn't he? And, and yeah, and he opens that box, and all the stuff tumbles out at him. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a cricket ball bouncing out at him or something. But hey, I've I've really watch. got to watch it a second time myself to uh, <laughs> try and pick that particular bit because that that's what makes rewatching an episode fantastic. Because you you read oh, yeah. about stuff like this on the forums, and you go. Oh my goodness, I totally missed that the first time around. I've got to go back and watch that. Exactly, exactly. And also when um when the Dream Lord kind of brought up the heat in the TARDIS, this is just something I noticed personally. Um it was I think it was the frost that was making it all white, but it kind of remember, reminded me of the the original, you know, white console room from the the classic series a yeah, little bit. Yeah. It made me think they could do that if they wanted to, just bring it back to the old white console room. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, it, it was fantastic watching the uh, confidential as well. I mean, I'm not sure whether you've seen that as well. But I did not uh, see that, no. But they did that the the fantastic scenes where they were basically hosing down the TARDIS with with frost, basically. <laughs> covering every conceivable part of it with with icicle type stuff, you know, mm-hmm. whatever compound that, that that might be and that really reminded me of the original console i thought my goodness we could be seeing you know like you know the stuff from the classic series back well i, th- I think he tries to put uh, Stephen moffat tries to put as much you know just references in there to appease the uh, the classic series fans so mm, mm. well i think one thing that we talked about on the dwp that might have been a nod to classic fans was um is the dream lord the closest thing we're going to be seeing to the valyard in the new series mm-hmm Everybody seems to like talk about that, but never want to say who they think it is. Uh, I've noticed that um, just listening to people talk about the episode. But uh, I actually hadn't seen uh, Travel Time Lord until after I saw the episode. Um, mm-hmm. My dad was my dad was the one that pointed that out, and then I did some research and 
watched the trial and said, yeah, that could be, could be it. Um, but also there was a comic series, Doctor Who comic book series. I don't know uh, if you read any of those or not, but it's, it's one called the forgotten and there's the enemy of that oh, series. Yes, is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy of that series is a manifestation of the 10th doctor who calls himself the Valyard, but he looks just like the 10th doctor, except he's in a black suit and he's got a goatee. So, oh, okay. So I, I, I kind of added it a little bit more to it for me. So yes, I mean, think, you know, sort of theories and ideas like that are fantastic because they add such a dimension to the episode, but mm-hmm. they don't directly interfere with any, I suppose, canonicity problems that you can quite happily watch that episode and go, okay, this is the new series interpretation of the Valyard, you know, without specifically saying who who it is. Just the whole idea of it possibly being some sort of whisper or hint of the Valyard really, really excites me. Oh, yeah. I, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it, like I said, I hadn't even seen the trial uh, until my dad told me about that. But when he did, I kind of got excited too. It was like, oh, that's actually really cool. And it made me want to go back and watch The Trial of a Time Lord. Is there any other things from Amy's Choice that really uh, leapt out and struck you, Martin, at all? I can't think of anything now, but I know as soon as, uh, as, soon as we move on, I'm going to think of something. <laughs> so, <laughs> as soon as we sign off, I'm going to think about a million things. Like, ah, I should have said all that. Right. Well, I'll, I'll try and put a <laughs> thought in your head. Like I said on our review of the episode, I think this episode is less about the Doctor's inner struggle, but more mm-hmm. about the, the Doctor trying to finally figure out who Amy should really be with whether mm-hmm. it should be with the Doctor or whether it should be with Rory. And I think for me, this is what the episode is all about. Amy finally making her own decision about whether Rory is the man for her life or whether the Doctor is the man to spend the rest of her life with. And I think he's been trying to, he's been trying to do that since uh, the last five minutes of uh, Flesh and Stone, I think. And then he finally just, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if he meant for it to play out this way specifically, but it definitely, you know, it happened. So I mean, for me... The, the last five minutes of that episode, Flesh and Stone, which I'm trying to purge from my memory. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody. <laughs> <laughs> are all about the Doctor realizing, okay, Amy has a problem here, that she's mm-hmm. falling in love with me. One of the first solutions he does is, okay, I'll send Rory and Amy on a romantic vacation to historical Venice. Um, you know, they'll, they'll fall in love. You know, they'll be all fantastic. You know, the timelines will be restored. Obviously, that didn't happen. There was still something in the doctor's mind that went, well, she really hasn't decided yet. And, of course, we then get the, you know, the, the, you know, the evil id, you know, the Valyar, the celestial toy maker character that I think really forces the doctor or more specifically forces Amy to make that final decision about um, just who she wants to spend the rest of her life with. Amy shows a really fascinating episode, um, something that I really hope resonates throughout the rest of the season. For, mm-hmm. for me personally, I hope we move beyond the whole Amy hitting on the doctor type of situation. Yeah, I, I, I really don't want to see another uh, Doctor and Rose uh, no. type of thing no. coming up. No. I think most people don't. <laughs> I think she's made a decision that this this is the purpose of this particular episode and mm-hmm. move beyond that particular um, <clears throat> aberration. But anyway, yeah. we've been berated by <laughs> listeners already for talking about it too much, so I'll stop right there. So... Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing how the um, whole relationship develops throughout the season. Um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like Rory might be back once or twice more before the uh, season finale. And uh, hopefully Amy will uh, settle down and become a, 
I think more of a normal companion, which she was at the beginning of the season when she wasn't mm-hmm. lusting after the Doctor in a sort of rose type of way, which uh, yeah. kind of annoyed me. But anyway. Well, is, uh, is Rory staying on for the rest of the season? Because you, um, you made it seem like they were just going to drop him off and keep going. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, did, did he feature in the uh, trailer? I don't remember seeing him in that. Oh, now that you mention that, I don't remember seeing him in there too. But no, <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm actually excited for that episode too because I don't, I've never actually seen the Salarians uh, in anything else oh, myself. It, it'll make you want to go back and watch the Pertwee episodes and the, even the Davison mm-hmm. episode with the minute. So, yes, mm. uh, certainly good stuff, but uh, certainly a lot to look forward to. And uh, Martin, oh, thank yeah. you very much for your time today, mate. It's been a, actually a pleasure um, to talk about Amy's Choice with you. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yep. And uh, we're going to have your dad on in a few weeks. <laughs> he was supposed to be on this week, but uh, I, I've I've come to find out that co-hosting Who on Who is mostly just me picking up his slack, and <laughs> here I am again picking up his slack. <laughs> I'm sure he has you a beer or a or, or a lunch or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's going to give me a stern talking to when he when he hears the podcast. <laughs> oh dear, I oh dear. Well, I look forward to having a chat with him in a few weeks. I think we're going to get him in for episode 10 of uh, yeah. the uh, Matt Smith reign. But uh, mm-hmm. for the meantime, it's been an absolute pleasure, Martin. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much also. And uh, please check out Who on Who, which is a fantastic podcast, which uh, I wouldn't go far wrong in saying covers pretty much the classic series of Doctor Who, and that's mm. all much better for it. Um, so mm. DVD releases and any other particular classic series morsels that might uh, come across their radar so uh, please check yeah. them out we uh we have a website uh who on who.com uh h-o-o on who.com uh we it's a brand new website actually our, our graphic designs guy uh team actually um just put it up i think last week or the week before i'm not mm. sure i'm but, looking uh, at it right now it looks absolutely fantastic oh, it's a beautiful website yeah okay well uh, thank you again martin and uh welcome back anytime and uh oh thanks and uh we will see you all in a few short days to talk about um some silurians i suppose see you next time bye-bye bye that was the doctor who podcast which you can find at the doctor who podcast.com if you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. What is this pornographic filth that the BBC is spewing out upon us?